0: Hey everybody, Um, full disclosure, we are taping this on Wednesday night. Uh, We had some late breaking news on the recruiting front, which may make our podcast, which you'll hear in a minute or two, Um, and we recorded that on Wednesday afternoon. It seemed a little outdated, so we just kind of wanted to bring everyone up to date. Um, Billy Bowman, the Denton Ryan athlete, receiver, uh, defensive back, decommitted from Texas on uh, Wednesday evening he was the second rated second highest rated recruit in this 2021 class for Texas number four on the Fat 55 list. Um, Mike uh, one breakdown what happened uh, how surprised were you that this happened and you know what does this kind of kind of mean for Texas?
1: Yeah pretty surprised you know I was there a couple other guys that cover Texas recruiting was at uh, Din Ryan's first game they opened at at t against Arlington Martin which had uh, Maurice Blackwell, another Texas commit there. So there was a couple of us there trying to get as many of the commits as we could. Of course, Jatavion Sanders is committed from Den Ryan. Uh, so a game of three Texas commits at the time, and he didn't really give out any uh, indication he was thinking about this. in my opinion. You know he answered the questions, so he was committed to Texas. but you know you just never know. Like, kind of how we'll talk about this later in terms of you know keeping guys committed for a really long time. And it's hard, you know, he committed pretty early, you know, I think right before his junior year, right, right beginning of his junior year starting. So it's a long time to keep somebody committed. I think he kind of wants to look around and um, kind of see where he, you know, where he could go, maybe take some visits if those things open up. And even if they don't, you can still do it on your own dime. So uh, I think this is one of those things where, you know, you decommit and that way you can kind of talk to other schools. You don't feel as guilty about going through the process.
0: Was there any, this wasn't like Jalen Milrow a couple, um, I guess maybe a couple months ago at this point when he decommitted, he immediately said he was going to Alabama. Um, Billy didn't seem to really give any indication of where he is going. Do you kind of know or have any idea what's next? And could he possibly recommit to Texas? That doesn't happen often when a kid uh, decommits, he ends up recommitting. But is Texas, would you think Texas is still in the picture?
1: Yeah, you know. I think Texas will uh, try to fight for at least, you know, an official visit. Definitely if Jatavion stays committed as well as Den Ryan, you know, you have you have him there to kind of stay in his ear and stuff like that. Um but yeah, next I would think he uh you know, right now he's in the middle of his season, so I don't think he does anything right now. But you know, I think he sets up some visits, you know, whether it be uh this next year when officials can happen or, you know, him just going on his own uh with his parents or something like that. But yeah, it just kind of starts the process over. It'll be interesting to see uh, if he turns around and, and pledges somewhere right away. And that way, you know, he kind of already had an idea or if this is simply something to do in order to open up his cards and just be able to, to talk to as many coaches and as many places as he want to without feeling like he's kind of doing Texas uh, in the wrong way.
0: Now, I haven't looked at our analytic numbers, but I'm sure your story is popping on the website right now because Texas fans are kind of angry. Um, they were angry about the TCU loss last week um they're angry a lot of, about a lot of a lot of things right now with the state of the texas program i'm sure this is not uh, gonna please a lot of people but do texas fans need to start freaking out um texas still has i think 17 commitments in this 2021 class but do people need to be worried this wasn't the first decommitment we just mentioned jaylen Jay um the quarterback from the Katy area they had a couple early commits uh choose to go to usc instead do Texas fans need to start freaking out as Sanders? Do people need to start wor- worrying about him? What is the state of this 2021 class?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you see Billy Bowman decommit, it, it's, uh, you know, only only right to kind of think about what that means for Jatavian Sanders, his teammate there, Din Ryan. Now, you know, all these guys are their own their own players. They're going to do whatever is best for them. Uh, but they're also friends, and they talk and, and that kind of stuff. So, while it, it, it helped to have Billy committed to get Jatavion, it's going to be the same thing, right? When Billy D commits, it may be a little bit easier for J- Jatavion to look around elsewhere. Um, but most of these guys committed to Texas or committed elsewhere, you know, they're always going to keep, you know, the door open on some possibilities. They're never going to shut out everybody completely. They have relationships with other coaches around the nation. Um, you know, so I think they're always kind of keeping one eye, you know, on, on other schools and on other uh, uh, situations that they can go to. Um, but for this 2021 class, I'm not sure that Texas really ever thought it was going to be that great of a class. It was already, you know, 15th in the nation, probably going to be Herman's, uh, worst class that he's signed since he's been here on one hand, that's bad. Right. But on the other hand, you know, if you're going to have a down year in recruiting, this is the year to do it because eligibility is not going to be uh, a situation after this year. It sounds like everybody's going to be able to kind of just chalk this one up uh, and stay whatever grade they're in. So you don't have to replenish the ranks as much as normal. I think that makes it to where uh, you kind of get a mulligan this year and you start focusing more on 2022.
0: Awesome. Well, like we said, this we had some late net recruiting news, um, so we wanted to jump on here and add this to the podcast. But uh, Billy Bowman, we're going to look elsewhere. We'll keep our eyes on where he ends up, and we'll see if uh, that place ends up being Texas or maybe maybe that team up the uh, up the interstate up there in, in Norman. That would make things interesting. And speaking of Texas to know you – that's what our podcast is about today, so please keep listening and see what we have to say about the Longhorns and the Sooners. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, October 8th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always on Thursdays, I'm joined by Mike Craven. Mike, say what is up to the people. What is up, everybody? Mike, as you know, as, as I know, it's it's OU Texas week. First off, Mike, do you say OU Texas or Texas OU or Red River Shooter? How do you you know, Red River rivalry. How do you describe this game?
1: Well, I'm the grandson of Charlie Craven, which means I was born into a Texas household, so I say Texas OU.
0: Okay. I say OU Texas mostly just because I like to anger people. But um, let's focus our discussion today on the Longhorns, the Sooners, and recruiting. On Tuesday in your dotted line column, which runs every day throughout the week on hook'em.com, you kind of went over the Big 12's recruiting class. To no one's surprise, Texas and OU kind of lead lead the Big 12 pack. OU is ranked 12, or 13th on the 247 composite rankings. Texas is ranked 15th. First off, what is your thoughts on Oklahoma's class of 2021?
1: I think it's a really good class. Probably going to be the uh, best class in the Big 12. Probably only going to get better uh, as they pick up some expected uh, commitments over the next couple of months. So I think the Sooners did a great job this year, and it just goes to show how successful you can be when you have the on-field success. Uh, to kind of recruit uh, I think that's where they have the advantage right now over Texas is Lincoln Riley can walk into a living room and kind of put up trophies and recent success for Texas is still kind of on the hope you know and on that kind of stuff so a really good class for Oklahoma probably going to be a top 10 class when it's all said and done.
0: Um, on the flip side let's talk about Texas what are your thoughts on this Texas class of 2021 which I'm sure you're a little bit closer to since you cover Texas um, and you know all these kids uh, you've gotten to know these kids over the last few months but What's your thought on the Longhorns, what they've done this class? I think it's
1: really good at the top. You know, guys like Jatavian Sanders, Billy Bowman, uh, Ishmael Ibrahim, um, those kind of players are wanted by everybody in the country. They'd be, you know, star players in any recruiting class across the country. I I don't know if the the second half of the class is as good as as most of the Herman classes have been over the last few years, but, you know, they haven't won. And so when you do that, it's a little bit harder and harder to recruit. You know, I think they've done as well as they can considering some of the stuff that they're facing. But, you know, the offensive line class is where it really falls apart. You know, the 2021 class was supposed to be a big-time offensive line group for UT. It hasn't turned out that way. And so I I think it's going to feel disappointing no matter where it ends up. Wise.
0: When it comes to OU Texas, what is the Sooners' biggest win this class as far as this rivalry? In other words, who's the commit that both Texas and Oklahoma really wanted but the Sooners got the commitment.
1: Now I'm going to go with Clayton Smith. He's a defensive end, outside linebacker from Texarkana High. Uh, Texas OU were probably his two favorite schools. Uh, you know, I don't know if he ever put out just the top two, but I think those were his two finalists. And uh, OU ended up winning it out. Uh, he's an edge rusher, probably the best one in the state, a top ten player on the Fab 55. And both schools really, really wanted him. Uh, so Clayton Smith out of Texarkana is probably Oklahoma's biggest head-to-head win over Texas this cycle.
0: And let's talk about the long ones. Who is the, the UT commit that the Sooners really wanted, but Texas, they got that pledge?
1: Yeah, it's probably Sanders and Bowman, the, the two Denton Ryan uh, kids, are Texas's best two prospects. But they committed so early that it's hard to really say that was a Texas OU thing. It's just more that, you know, those are Texas's best players in the class, and I'm sure Oklahoma wanted them too. Uh, cornerback Ishmael Ibrahim may be the, the best answer there. He's a, a true lockdown corner. Clearly, both of these teams need help on the defensive side. Oklahoma really struggles in the secondary, so I, I think that was a guy in Dallas that the Sooners thought they had a good chance with. Uh, he ends up committing to Texas, so a big win for Tom Herman and the defense of, uh, for UT.
0: Now let's act like we are creating a player. Maybe this is NCAA, you know, two thousand fourteen or whatever the last uh, installment of that game is, and we're creating a player here. If you are a blank, you what are you li- likely going to choose? You OU over in other words, you know, you're whatever position, why are you choosing Lincoln Riley over Texas? What is the one position Oklahoma is always going to win those recruiting battles at?
1: You know, I think quarterback's probably the easy answer here, but you know, he's only done it with grad transfer guys. And and, then Quinn Ewers uh, commits to Texas in that 2022 cycle. Uh, So quarterbacks look to be going back and forth. You know, another one that used to be that I don't know is the same anymore is defensive linemen, you know, Oklahoma was running the four man front. Texas was running the 3 man front under under Todd Orlando so it was harder to get defensive ends. Texas switches a uh, scheme so I think they're back in it, you know, when it comes to kind of big time defensive ends and stuff. So right now it, you know it kind of you know Herman and Riley are both offensive guys. They're both known for producing quarterbacks and stuff. So honestly, you know, they really do best with the same positions. And so I think if you're a defensive guy, you kind of wonder about signing with Oklahoma and Texas because they haven't really made Uh, Great strides defensively in a while. Uh, But if you're an offensive guy, I think both schools kind of seem seem where to go. Uh, Offensive line may be the answer, though. I mean, Oklahoma's draft status over the last five or ten years along offensive line is just far superior to Texas. So I'm guessing if you're a center, a guard, you know, something like that, uh, the Sooners are probably the place to go right now based on recent success.
0: And on the flip side, maybe you just answered it with that with that answer. Is there a position that's picking Texas and Tom Herman over Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley? Yeah,
1: you know, I do wonder if a lot of that comes down to assistant coaches and stuff um, and so running back has been the the place over the last couple of years. I think Texas has done a better job um, than Oklahoma. Now, I don't know if that's Tom Herman's offense uh, featuring the running back more than Lincoln Riley's uh, or if that's Stan Drayton you know Stan Drayton's one of the most respected Uh, running back coaches in in the country. Uh, He got Bijan Robinson last year. Uh, He thinks he's going to get LJ Johnson and Jonathan Brooks this year. So um, just looking at the recent trends, I would say running back's a spot where Texas is really winning uh, over Oklahoma. And then also in the secondary, probably safety as well.
0: Look at, going back to the the column of yours that I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, you'll have to fill in the exact numbers, but it's you know Oklahoma at 13, Texas at 15, and then Baylor's third, somewhere in the 20s. Um, is it always going to be Texas and Oklahoma at the one and two spots? Um, is it possible for you – know, maybe it's possible for Baylor to jump one of these teams one year if they happen to get like a big five-star recruit, maybe Oklahoma State there too, but consistently – is it just going to be Texas and Oklahoma and everyone else is fighting for third or is there a chance for one of those Baylor Oklahoma's to Oklahoma States to kind of get into this mix for that one, two spot?
1: I think it would take prolonged success, you know, Baylor under our Brials, you know, regardless of the stuff that was happening off the field, if we're only talking on the field, um, you know, they were starting to have real success and consistent competing, you know, for big 12 titles up there with Texas OU, I think had he, kind of stayed the course and if things gone well there otherwise you know maybe we see Baylor start getting into the top 25 and then the top 20 uh, and then move into maybe the top 10 and really compete with Texas OU uh, but it's hard to do over just a couple years you know especially in football where you're going to sign you know around 20 to 25 kids a year even if you get a couple just studs you know it's hard to outweigh the rest of the class and now, Texas OU just—they're different monsters. They're national brands. They can go out of state easier. They kind of get to cherry pick uh, in different situations. So, you know, until another team on a year-in, year-out basis really challenges Texas OU in the Big 12, from not only on the field but just from a perception and financial standpoint, it's hard for me to imagine they get to uh, get on the recruiting trail and really give Texas OU a run for their money on a year-in, year-out basis.
0: All right, it's time for our, our weekly interview. Um, this this week it's going to be with Texas commit Hayden Connor, a four-star offensive lineman from Katie Taylor. Last week you caught up with Hayden after his Mustangs moved to 2-0 with a 26-14 win over George Ranch. So let's hear what Hayden had to say about his recruitment, um, his offseason workouts, and just uh, may- maybe a guy on his own team that he is kind of going after when it comes to recruiting. Uh with Hayden Conner here from Katie Taylor. Uh, you yeah, know, I guess this offseason's been weird for everybody.
2: Oh, for sure. Uh,
1: for sure. how much has football been a sense of normalcy for all you guys since coming back to just practice and now the game?
2: I mean, it's been life, you know. We go we go from a season, then we go into spring prep and then we go into spring football. And then we've got summer workouts all summer and then we go right back into football. So, you know, it was weird not not having spring, but it's it's unbelievable being back out here. I mean, it's the best sport.
1: How did you guys stay connected? How did you guys stay active during that time? And just kind of trying to stay as much of a team as you can when all that was So going we out.
2: all had online workouts that were given to us. Um, you know, a couple of us came over and worked out with each other. And then usually we always met up and uh, and uh, went over to the field and uh, just, just worked out by ourselves without it being scheduled by the coaches.
1: For you guys, you know, had a big season last year in the playoffs. How important is it to y'all to get off to a fast start this year instead of like last year where you seemed to kind of ease into it a little bit?
2: I mean, it's important every season to get off to a fast start. You know, we played some really good teams last year, and unfortunately, we lost to them. And we just played a great team tonight, and we won. So I think that I'm gonna have I have high hopes for this season, Um, and I'm 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 so happy that we started two and zero this year.
1: I feel like, you know, not only me, but everybody does the recruiting, right? It's kind of watch you two grow up. Right. Um, Where do you think you've improved the most since we started watching you as a sophomore out here?
2: Definitely the leadership aspect. Uh, You know, freshman on varsity, sophomore on varsity, you know, I I didn't have much of a voice, and I had to learn how to be a good example for my teammates without being, you know, the annoying freshman or anything. Right. So I think the vocal aspect of being a leader, I improved on the most.
1: Uh, how much have y'all think? I remember when we started, or when y'all started out here. You know, Katie Taylor, it was all—it was a very Katie-centric district, right? Exactly. Now Tompkins. Now you guys have had some success. Right. How do y'all feel about kind of leaving y'all's legacy here
2: uh, and kind of starting that? I think it's—I think it's perfect. You know, I mean, times are changing. You know, things are going to change. Dynasties will fall.
1: Uh, Recruiting-wise, how nice is it to kind of go into this year and not have to deal with any of that kind of stuff and know where you're going?
2: Oh, it was fantastic. You know, I, I, last year was nice too, but this year, you know, I just I go out here, I play my heart out, and then I go home and I, I get ready for college.
1: I feel like – I forget it's been two full seasons now. You know, yeah. How, how – how, I guess not weird or hard or anything like that, but just how different is it to kind of know for that long. Has there ever been a time where you really thought about it, or has it been? No,
2: it's just it's normal. Yeah, um, yeah. I, so there that's was literally never, all I There say. was never
1: a, a second thought or anything mm, like that. Never. So what was it about Texas that made it that solidified? I mean, that's pretty solid, right? I mean, from 17, 18 on. You know, I what was it that I, made you that
2: comfortable? I think that it's the relate the strong relationships that I have with the coaches and how much I love Austin. Yeah. And wow. when, when I when I commit to something on anything, I'ma stay to it. And even if UT ended up having a couple bad seasons and some coaching changes, I wouldn't I wouldn't have left. I, I love UT and I love the coaches that are there. Still working on that guy a little bit? Every day. Every day? Every day. All right, man. Day, sir. Appreciate it. Mike, you've known
0: Hayden for a couple years at this point. Um, as he mentioned, he's been committed for pretty much two years now to the Longhorns, so he's been on your radar for a while. Um, linemen rarely contribute immediately at Texas. They usually redshirt that first year. But – how quickly could he possibly get on the field once he arrives at Texas?
1: He's going to enroll early, so that gives him a shot. Uh, Samuel Cosme is probably not going to be on campus anymore. He's probably going to go to the NFL no matter, you know, the eligibility stuff and all that, kind of, all that stuff, just, you know, with a good year. He's, a, he's an NFL draft pick. So there will be a spot open, you know, at tackle. And so, you know, maybe he comes in there and competes, you know, in the two-deep it's a sign of a good program when offensive linemen get a year or two to really develop and turn that baby fat into muscles and kind of really grow physically into the player they need to be to handle, you know, grown men on the other side of the ball compared to guys that they usually get to bully. I think he's a a right tackle, most likely uh, a big guy. He can run block, he can pass block. And he's just a really smart guy. I mean, he's some he's going to be an aerospace engineer at Texas. He already does different camps at NASA and the Houston area and stuff like that. He's just a, the legit genius kid. And so he's going to pick it all up. He's a really motivated player. He wants to be at Texas. Uh, he talked about how, you know, it doesn't really matter what happens on the field. He's going to UT. Uh, so I imagine he's going to be locked in and he's going to, he's going to get a chance to, to at least be in the two deep going into
0: 2021. So Hayden is going to be an engineer. He plays football, you know, well enough to be a four-star athlete and coming to Texas. I'm sure you're going to tell me he has a great head of hair too. So it looks seems like this kid probably has has it all right.
1: Yeah, not a bad not a bad set of blonde hair there. You know, blonde hair, blue eyes. I think I think he's got it going.
0: Um, Hayden talked in the interview about just kind of how weird this offseason was as far as you know getting with his teammates and training and all that stuff. And I'm kind of curious from these past few weeks that you've been around and you've been seeing um, all these athletes. How are they looking as far as? conditioning and just kind of where they're at physically because this was a weird offseason um, for high school kids across the nation they didn't have that structure a lot of them you know maybe didn't have access to weights and couldn't just you know figure out ways to you know train in their um, you know garages they did have those virtual workouts as Hayden alluded to but how they kind of looked is it everyone's kind of tried and still get in shape or is it kind of at this point everyone it's like they had an offseason just maybe an abbreviated one
1: yeah, you know that's a tough one. I, I think the games have looked a little bit sloppy, um, just, just like on the college level. There's been more turnovers, more penalties, you know, and probably some more uh, injuries than than normal. Just because, you know, I imagine guys like hamstrings and, and groins and different stuff that can pull easily just wasn't tested over the off season in the same kind of strenuous way it does in a football game. Um, so I think we've seen probably more of that kind of stuff. But if, from a physical standpoint you know, at least the kids I'm going to see, you know, those top recruits that are, you know, really either committed to a major school or trying to commit to a major school, you know, for them, this is kind of business, you know, this has become a year round you know, thing. A lot of them have personal trainers. A lot of them play on seven, seven, seven on seven select teams that, you know, at least did some stuff this off season. So, you know, for the guys I'm going to look at, you know, I think they've stayed in really good shape. Now, the players who were like me in high school who were just kind of playing it because, you know, we only had a couple years left in high school and this is what we do. You know, maybe there is kind of a drop down in conditioning from those guys. But I, I think for, you know, the Texas OU, you know, national recruits I'm watching, You know, they're going to be in shape and they're ready to play.
0: Now, Hayden committed to the Longhorns in July of 2019. So that probably makes him one of the first um, – you know, commits in this batch of 2021 commits. I don't know exactly where he falls on that list, but how difficult is it to keep a player committed for essentially two years by the time he actually signs through his junior and through his senior year, especially a four-star talent who other schools I'm sure didn't just hang up the phone and quit reaching out once, uh, once he said he was going to be a Longhorn.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Rashawn Johnson is the only player who committed first to a class that ended up signing there. You know, there was Justin Watkins, the wide receiver that you're familiar with, that ended up going to Florida State. He committed. Um, You know, in this class, the first commit was Quay Davis. He's now committed to USC. Second commit was Lake McCree. He's now committed to USC, I believe. Uh, Third commit, Jalen Milrow. You know, he's now committed to Alabama. And then the fourth commit was Hayden Connor. So – you know, now he's the longest standing commitment, but he was, you know, technically the fourth guy to commit the first three decommitted. So I think that kind of answers the question. It's hard. You know, it's like dating. And when you're 15, 16 years old, you know, what feels great when you're a sophomore or going into your junior year may not feel that way in a year or two. And that may have to do with just getting to know other schools a little bit better. A coaching change may happen. Maybe the results on the field aren't what you thought they'd be. So there's just so many variables that go into this stuff. And then you add in that they're teenagers. And I just think it's one of those things where it's hard to really get a young person to commit to anything for multiple years in high school, much less kind of their future. So it is absolutely one of those things where you are recruiting as hard once they're committed as, they, as you were uh, to get them committed, maybe even
0: harder. At the, at the end of the interview, you mentioned uh, a that guy. And that guy that you were alluding to was a uh, four-star lineman Bryce Foster, who is Hayden's teammate at Katie Taylor. Uh, Bryce is ranked eighth on the Fat 55 list. For comparison, Hayden's down at 38, and obviously Hayden's a stud. So if uh, Bryce is eighth, that should say something about his ability. Um, what's the update on Bryce? Speaking of OU Texas, we know both those schools are in the mix for him. And why should Texas fans recruit for his uh, com- commitment?
1: Yeah, I think first of all, You know, Bryce is probably the best interior lineman in the state. You know, I know Donovan Jackson is considered a guard at 24-7, but he plays left tackle. And so if he does play guard, I agree, Donovan Jackson, uh, the best prospect offensive line-wise in the state. But if we're talking about guys who actually play guard or center, Bryce Foster is a beast, man. He is a a state champion, uh, long throw, you know, shot put, discus, that kind of guy. Um, Just a really, really strong player who's a bully in the interior. I think it's an OU-A&M battle. Oregon's also in there. Texas is also in there. Clearly he has some ties to, you know, Longhorn commit, Hayden Connor. Uh, but if – you know, I am a betting man. So, as a betting man, uh, if my money was getting placed down, it'd be on OU first and then probably A&M with the other two schools kind of on the
0: outside looking in. I'm sure there is an actual place where you could place a bet like that, but I'm not going to encourage uh, that kind of gambling. But we are going to stop like Craven's Corner and uh, talk a little bit gambling that people can actually actually do and easily access. Uh, Texas Oklahoma, Sooners by two. Um, at least that was the last line I saw. What are your thoughts? Who would you take? Um, is this a stay away? Just what are your thoughts on this game and betting the Sooners and the Longhorns?
1: Yeah, you know, I am honestly uh, probably leaning – Texas is way on this one you know for the first time in a few years Texas has the advantage at quarterback I, I think they have the advantage at running back you know I feel like it's pretty even everywhere else so all things being even you're getting two points you know if it gets to two and a half try to get two and a half three points you know if you see it going that way I think I would jump on it completely if it was Texas plus three so with this with Sam Ellinger with both teams kind of struggling you know I, I think Texas is in better position to kind of rebound I know it's crazy to think about Oklahoma losing three straight. Like I almost want to take OU just because I can't imagine them losing three in a row. But I do feel like it. You know, Texas is where my money is is itching towards. I believe.
0: Mike, your Cravens Corner column it will run in Thursday's paper. Should be online sometime on on Wednesday, um, maybe as we're recording. It's up. It's up right now. But when we when we read this, uh, what are Maybe what's one of your favorite NCAA or NFL bats that uh, people should get on? Yeah,
1: so I'm I kind of like Miami plus fourteen against Clemson. You know, I think Clemson wins that game. I think Clemson's the best team in the nation, but I, I don't see Miami getting beat by seventeen points or twenty one points or something like that. You know, I think it's a probably a ten point game. I'm a big fan of Derek King, the quarterback at Miami. Uh, he played at Manville. I've been able to watch him play since he was like fourteen or fifteen years old. He actually started. In front of Florida quarterback Kyle Trask throughout high school, so he's a really good football player. And I just think Clemson's still kind of figuring it out, replacing a lot of guys, kind of you know sleepwalking through the season because they know you know they win the ACC, they're in the college football playoffs. Give me Miami to keep this one close. They don't have to win or anything. All they have to do is avoid getting beat by 15 or more points. I think I'm going to be able to cash on that one.
0: Before we get out of here, let's do a little rivalry talk. Um, As you mentioned at the top. You have family ties to this uh, Texas program, so I'm sure you've been raised around this Red River showdown. Um, Is this the best rivalry in college football? Uh, Tom Herman said it on uh, Monday made his impassioned plea, although he angered a lot of people uh, by referring to it as OU Texas, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But uh, is this the best rivalry in college football?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the easy answer. I think it's Army-Navy. I think that's kind of the biggest – you know rivalry in, in college football maybe ohio state michigan's next but it's definitely top five you know i think uh when you add in not only the games and the history of just the two programs but also the neutral site and then being at the state fair and all that goes on with that being almost halfway in between both schools both state institutions you know so yeah i think it's a top five game i don't i don't think it's the best game though i don't think it's the top rivalry game in the nation though
0: my personal opinion is a rivalry is what you make it um I think you can probably take some small colleges and find their biggest rival and make an argument that that is the best rivalry in college college uh, football. I mean, Harvard, Yale. Um, right. You know, Army, Navy, as you mentioned. Alabama, Auburn. I mean, obviously they're not small schools, but that is a huge rivalry. Personally, as someone who went to the University of Montana, I think the Montana, Montana State game, Cat Grizz, is the biggest rivalry in college football because that is an entire state's bragging rights. And as someone who – grew up in that state you know, heaven help you if you lost that game which is always the weekend before Thanksgiving and then had to go home and listen to your family and all your you know friends from high school talk about how awful your football team is not only during Thanksgiving week but uh, also uh you know for the rest of the year so i mean that's an entire years where the state's bragging rights for really the only two schools in the state um you know if you if you graduate from montana high school you're going to one or one or the other unless you were lucky enough to get out and uh, escape the state so um, yeah, that's my personal opinion. Like I said, I think uh, you can make an argument for pretty much any rivalry. Um, Texas OU, it's fun. Um, it's a fun game to go to every year, but also, you know, we can put up a story about Texas and Texas A&M on our website right now, and it's going to do just fine numbers of people yelling about how they're not, a, not rivals, but they really are rivals. And, you know, Texas has a lot of, a lot of rivals and I'm sure this OU one m- marks up there, but I, I would not consider it the best rivalry. Um, in, co- in college football, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, as someone who graduated from UTSA, who, who are the Roadrunners' the biggest rival? Who, uh, who 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 do you guys like to like to see? I know that their football program is kind of kind of new, but who who who's your rival?
1: Yeah, I think it's Texas State and North Texas. You know, Texas State because of the proximity, and then just the baseball basketball history between the two teams. So footballs just kind of joined that group. But you know, North Texas has become a. Kind of a surprising rivalry. I I kind of thought it was going to be UTEP when UTEP UTSA started football, but UTEP hasn't been very good. And you in El Paso is just a long the away. Even though it's inside the same state, it doesn't feel like it. it it's a really long trip. Uh, North Texas is just right up 35 from San Antonio, so that's become that's become a really good kind of rivalry, especially on social media and stuff. They've kind of traded traded some wins. So uh, I think that that's the biggest rivalry for UTSA. Back to Texas point. I think you make a great point about the A&M-Texas game. I think the reason I can't consider OU-Texas to be up there, you know, in the conversation of best rivalry is because I always considered a and texas the better rivalry game for UT. You know, I know OU tended to be better than Texas A&M in most of my lifetime, but that wasn't even a conference game for a lot of my life, you know. And then for my dad and my grandfather specifically, that was kind of a, you know, like Florida, Florida State, kind of an out-of-conference kind of showcase game. A&M being right before Thanksgiving, all the family ties, being in the same state, having friends that were A&M fans more so than having friends that were Sooners fans. I think that was really the rivalry growing up. So, yeah, I think for that reason, OU Texas just can't be there for me.
0: Uh- we're we're at the end of this podcast before we get out of here. Uh let's give some love to what you're working on this week. Um, dotted line call, like we said, runs throughout the week. Uh what are you gonna be working on this Thursday and Friday? And then what are your plans for the weekend? Where are you going? Who are you covering? What are you seeing? So big weekend for me. We're gonna try this college
1: football coverage thing again. I'm back on the horse. Baylor kind of coveted me out of the opportunity early in the year. A M Florida is my draw this this week. Pretty excited about that. Only been to Kyle Field to cover high school games and then a beatdown of UTSA one time, so pretty pretty excited about that. Uh, Thursday, going to uh, Port Arthur Memorial versus LaPorte. Uh, LaPorte's got a defensive tackle, uh, Albert Regis, who is committing on Saturday. Texas is up there along with like you know, Florida, Arkansas, Houston, a couple other schools, so um, that's going to be a big one. And then Friday, going to see Max Merrill, the offensive lineman from Straight Jesuit. Uh, with his offseason so weird there are some commits even within the state that i've never seen before other than maybe at a camp and uh, i don't i don't really enjoy that i I like going and seeing the guys and you know knowing that i've I've at least seen them in person before so i'm gonna go see him for the first time since i didn't get to see him at all this offseason
0: uh i think the last time i was at kyle field was for a miserable state seven on seven you know in the july heat or whenever uh whenever that is. But um, I think the actual last college game I saw there, I got to see the Aggies uh, beat up on Montana State in a non-conference payday game. And I know you're not supposed to ruin the press box, but I was very uh, happy to see uh, Montana State go down, bringing it back to the whole rivalry talk that we were just chatting about. But that is going to do it for us here. Uh, We appreciate you guys tuning in this week. And every week that you listen along with us. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We do appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in each week. Um, as you know, Follow Mike on Twitter at Craven Mike if you're interested in following along to any of his um, games that he's at. I'll be at OU Texas um, this uh, weekend, and hook'em.com will have all of our content from those games, so be sure to check that out. Um, once again, we appreciate you tuning in each week. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Peace.